Our top players are making a commitment to play in all 12 elevated events, as well as the Players' Championship, the Masters Tournament, the PGA Championship, the U.S. Open, and the Open Championship. They will also add at least three additional PGA Tour events to their schedules. Our top players are firmly behind the tour, helping us deliver an unmatched product to our fans, who will be all but guaranteed to see the best players competing against each other in 20 events or more throughout the season. 7.04 on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. That voice you just heard was a PGA commissioner, Jay Monahan, speaking yesterday about all the new developments on the PGA Tour with purses and elevated tournaments and more top players showing up to more top tournaments. We'll get into all that in a moment with Adam, Adam Stanley, Sportsnet Golf Analyst, will join us in just a second here. Before we do that, uh, I need to tell you that Halford and Bruff in the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Accurate dealer today. Hour one of Halford and Bruff is done. Don't need to get into that anymore. Hour two is underway. We'll kick off hour two by telling you about the deal at Fido. Back-to-school deals on the latest phones, plans, and much more are now on at Fido. Visit them in-store or on the internet at Fido.ca. Let's go to the phone lines. Adam Stanley joins us now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Adam. How are you? Good morning. It's a beautiful day here at the uh, Ottawa Hunt Club. Things are uh, chugging along. The tournament's finally started, and uh, yeah, it should be a good one. Well, let's start with this tournament. Um, obviously, Brooke, uh, Brooke Henderson is is getting a lot of attention, but we were marveling yesterday that there is a 12-year-old, Lucy Lynn from Vancouver, <laughs> that has qualified, and apparently she has only been playing golf for two and a half years, and I was yeah. both um, impressed but also somewhat infuriated Sad. by yeah. this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Equal part. Uh, what, yeah, exactly. What are the big stories from Ottawa? Yeah, I mean, certainly the Lucy Lynn story was uh, was a great one early in the week. The crazy thing is, I mean, she's 12 years old, and she qualified for this tournament. She didn't get, get an exemption. Uh, she was one of the Monday qualifiers. It was a pretty impressive effort by her. Uh, so she's certainly teeing it up this week. And then, uh, obviously, on the other end of the age spectrum, we have Lori Kane at 57, who's playing in her 30th and final CP Women's Open. Uh, Lori Kane, a, a legend, Order of Canada recipient in the Canadian Sports Hall of Fame. You can go on and on and on so uh, we've got those two and then kind of right there in the middle is brooke anderson at fifth in the world and, and 24 years old in the face of golf in this country in the face of this tournament so canadian women's golf uh, certainly at, on a, on the whole is is trending in a great direction right now but there's 18 of the top 20 golfers in the world who are teeing it up this week 82 of the top 100 uh, and just a ton of buzz and electricity with the tournament finally returning uh, for the first time since 20, 2019 well, there was quite a bit of buzz around the PGA Tour yesterday with the announcement um, that, well, basically there's going to be more money available for the players on the PGA Tour. But I guess it comes with the agreement or the commitment of the top players on the PGA Tour to play all these events. Uh, what did you think of yesterday's news? Yeah, I mean, I think the PGA Tour had to do something, obviously. And, and this, I think, was a good plan it was a good idea how it's going to look over the next 12 or 18 months certainly remains to be seen but the fact of the matter is 
the PGA Tour has put a stake in the ground to say our best players, the best players in our world are going to play against each other more often and for more money. So how could that be a bad thing? Uh, I, I don't think it is. I, I think it's a good thing. Um, I think that it's going to be fascinating to see what happens with the tournaments that don't get the elevated status and how those fields are going to look and what's going to happen as we move forward through, like I said, the next year, year and a half. But um, the fact of the matter is the PGA Tour did something and, and what they did is going to be good if we can see all of the best players in the game play more often for more money. And if that's going to take some folks who are maybe on the fence from joining Live and staying on the PGA Tour uh, to stay, I think that's going to be exciting for them as well. Um, some unique formats, uh, you know, some unique things that maybe are still to come with the Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy uh, venture as well. Um, but all in all, I think it was a good move by the PGA Tour to do what they did. And I, and I guess um, they tried to stave off some of the younger players leaving the tour, maybe the younger, less accomplished players by by making a guaranteed salary? Is it half a million dollars that uh, that each tour member is, is guaranteed? Do you think that will help maybe some golfers? Like I'm thinking about a Matt Wolf, those types of players that are that are just starting out on the PGA Tour, they, they do have potential, but maybe they're struggling a little bit to find their game, to find their consistency, and they were just tempted by Live Golf to go and get some guaranteed money because there are no guarantees in golf. No, you're exactly right. You have to uh, you have to earn everything you can uh, you can get in, in in professional golf. So yeah, for a guy just starting out to know that you have five hundred thousand dollars guaranteed, uh, and then anything over that is kind of put against your earnings. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I, I didn't pay too much attention to the nitty gritty since I'm here on site at the CP Women's Open this week. But um, yeah, I mean any any opportunity that young players have that can eliminate variables and certainly. There are a ton in professional golf, and, and certainly when you're just starting out, uh, the fact that there is going to be some guaranteed cash is, is going to be good for them as like a little check in the box for wanting to stay with the PGA Tour and its path. The Corn Ferry Tour, I think, got some elevated uh, money as well with some of its purses. Uh, and I think if you miss a cut now, you're going to get like a stipend or something like that uh, as well. I'm not 100% sure on, on that, but I did read it. Um, I'm not sure what the number is, is what I'm saying, but I think that you're going to get some money for a missed cut, which is great because up until now it was kind of like you miss a cut. All right, we'll see you next week. Try it again. So any of those opportunities that will make the load lighter for young guys out of college, you know, still in their teen years, wanting to pursue professional golf and wanting to stay on the PGA tour, uh, is another kind of good thing from the PGA tours perspective. What do you five, think? Sorry, 5,000 for the missed cut. The right. Way. Yeah. It's there like a go. travel so stipend, yeah. right? It's basically, yeah, 100%. Um, what do you think of this new project that Tiger Woods and Rory McIlroy have gotten together for? It's uh, a virtual golf league, and I was looking at some pictures or some photos of the renderings of the quote-unquote stadium that they could build. Obviously, yeah. there's a big screen that the players will hit their drives into or their, their approach shots. Uh, and then they've also built out an actual green, and I imagine that's where the short game place will, will, will a short game part of the stuff will will happen. Uh, what do you think of the potential of this? I mean, Tiger Woods' name is on it, so it's got to be good. It's got to be something that people are going to pay attention to, if only to 
see what it's all about. Uh, and if you think for one second, I'm not going to be pumped to see a backward tat, gym clothes wearing Tiger Woods firing stingers into a screen, you would be sorely mistaken because I'm going to be very excited to see what that looks like. Um, and just to see what other kind of players are going to be there and what kind of, uh, you know, electricity may, be, may, may come from, from one of these virtual reality kind of experiences you know i'm not all that familiar with kind of the e-gaming scene and 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 all that but if that's going to be able to attract another generation of folks to get interested if that's going to be something that may be trending a little bit more global whether it be streamed on on twitch or or otherwise you know i think that's another good thing for for the sport uh, obviously like i said tiger woods's name is is part of it he's going to be involved and then rory mcelroy you know kind of tiger woods's heir apparent certainly as it relates to being the global voice of, of the sport, um, you know, to have him involved too is, is going to be pretty cool, pretty buzzy. Um, you know, it's been two years in the making, so I think that there's kind of a lot of research behind it as well. And from what I was told, Corey Connors may be involved uh, as well as one of the players eventually at, at one point. So, you know, from a Canadian perspective, there might be some neat stuff that we can see as well moving forward. So what it's all going to look like, how it's going to be, how you're going to watch it, a um, lot more questions there, but to have Tiger Woods as basically the face of it uh, is super exciting. Corey Connors is an interesting player in that he's clearly the best Canadian male golfer right now. He's qualified for the Tour Championship, and yet I still don't consider him a major contender. Um, it's it's weird because he's got some top 10s at the Masters, but I don't know if there was ever a point during any of those tournaments where you know, it was coming down the stretch and Corey Connors is looking for <laughs> his first masters, his first major. I mean, half the time you can barely see him on TV and yeah. I, I don't, you know, I sit, I sit there and it's frustrating as a Canadian golf fan, but I also get it right. Because he doesn't have a lot of name recognition, especially down in the States. And he hasn't really been in the actual mix to win these tournaments. He's had good finishes. Um, what, does he still have somewhere to take his game? Like, is there still more to his game that he needs before he, he reaches the status that a Mike Weir once had on the PGA tour? Yeah. I mean, it's pretty, it's pretty wild. Like Corey Connors is ranked 31st in the world. <laughs> He's from a town of about 4,000 people just outside Toronto. Uh, and you're right. I mean, this is the third year out of the last four that he's made the tour championship. He's going to be in all the majors again next year. And, and we don't really talk about him all that much, but I, Corey doesn't mind that. He, he kind of just goes about his business and he does it very, very well. I think the thing that is obviously holding him back uh, is his putting. I mean, he's not, not working on it. And, and yeah, he's a hundredth on the PGA tour and strokes game putting this year, but the dude was 181st in the same category last year. So uh, some improvement there, much more improvement I think is needed for him to be more firmly in the mix, uh, certainly over a four round, tournament because if he has one good putting round he's going to be you know in that top 20 and the dude just keeps cashing checks um but he's going to have to have to become an average putter i would say just putt average because your ball striking is so darn good that uh you're going to be right there basically all the time so uh that's the thing holding him back like i said but regardless how he's playing right now still has made him one of the best players on the planet um it's just kind of a tightening the screws kind of situation for Corey connor's we're speaking to Sportsnet golf analyst Adam Stanley here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 6. There's a lot going on in Canadian golf right now, Adam. Uh, you're at the CP Women's Open. Uh, we're talking about Corey Connors. Another question for you regarding Canadian golf, and that's what's going to happen with the uh, Canadian RBC Open moving forward. Because as I understand it now, and correct me if I'm wrong, but 
Uh, the tournament is now going to be sandwiched between the Memorial, which is an elevated tournament now after Jay Monahan made his announcement yesterday. So that's going to be one of those sort of like top players, top 20 field. And of course, the U.S. Open, which is a fairly significant yep. tournament. What is this going to yep. do to the playing field at the RBC? Because this year it was such a fantastic tournament and Roy McIlroy winning it and there was a ton of eyeballs on it. It was really great. I'm concerned a little bit for what that might look like moving forward in the wake of the Memorial getting elevated. And then, of course, it being sandwiched between the Memorial and the U.S. Open. Yeah, a lot of questions uh, about the RBC Canadian Open and moving forward. And, and it's kind of been a, you know, a, a heavy bummer on the RBC Canadian Open side of things because uh, I guess the date changed in 2019. Uh, best event ever, ton of momentum, ton of excitement. Rory comes up and, and steps on the next and wins by seven. And, and then, of course, uh, everyone was pumped and then everyone was sad because COVID canceled the next two. And then it's come back again uh, and it's had an absolutely fabulous uh, you know, ending as well this year. It, it's nominated for already PGA Tour Tournament of the Year. Uh, Golf Canada officials have, have said as such. Uh, and then next year it might be uh, totally screwed again, for lack of a better description. So, uh, we, And RBC uh, as the sponsor. I mean, RBC sponsors two events on the PGA Tour, the Heritage and the Canadian Open, uh, and it's kind of getting a, a short end of the stick here as it relates to, to elevated tournaments and et cetera. So would the RBC Canadian Open become an elevated event? And then you've got three in a row, maybe. Uh, would it become one of these second-tier events? Also, maybe. Uh, Rory and his team said he was going to be back next year to defend the title for the third time, so uh, I guess we will see what that means for moving forward. Um, but, yeah, like I said off the top, a lot of questions barely any answers uh, and something to look out for for moving forward because you know the, the Canadian Open on the men's side ton of momentum and, and it seems to be at first blush getting a little bit quashed for right now based on yesterday's announcement uh, but hopefully things will, will turn around over the next six months or so. Do you think we'll ever see another Canadian Open out here in, in Vancouver? No I wouldn't just because RBC wants their their Toronto clients, yeah, um, and, and it's just a it's just the, the the nature of the beast. If RBC is spending the money uh, and that's where they want it to be, then that's where it'll be. If uh, if a big you know change happens from a business side of things, then um, then it'll come out there. But unfortunately, you know, it's not going to be moving from the greater Toronto area probably over the next decade. Um, but but who knows. Uh, the good news is the CP Women's Open is coming to Shaughnessy next year, which uh, which should be a, a lot of fun. And and finally, you know, it was so, supposed to be uh, a couple years ago, and then they moved it, then they swapped it with Ottawa, uh, and then it's coming next year, which should be awesome. Well, I mean, Shaughnessy's future is up in the air now. Um, we don't really know how long Shaughnessy's going to be. Or, I mean, it's got maybe. I, I don't know when the lease is up there or if they're going to extend the lease there, but that would be one less course where you could play. And there are, yeah. aren't a ton of courses out here that you can play these types of tournaments. And I think that's the big thing. I mean, obviously Canadian golf fans want to see the Canadian open moved around, but a golf tournament on the PGA tour is way more than just a golf tournament. It is an entertainment product. It is a spectator effort. It is a, a business event. Um, you know, I could go down the line of descriptions of what it is and golf tournament is just one of those things. So yeah, a lot of factors involved and a lot of factors in that decision-making. Uh, but the footprint of a CP Women's Open is just uh, is just smaller. But that doesn't mean that there's going to be any less buzz when, when this event comes over there next year. We're speaking to Sportsnet golf analyst Adam Stanley here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Adam, I wanted to kind of flip back to uh, PGA Commissioner Jay Monahan. We played his comments from yesterday, some of his comments anyway, coming back from break. And uh, I don't think that I've ever been as invested 
in the product of the PGA Tour and golf in particular more than I have now. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that all of a sudden you've got um, golfers almost becoming characters. Like you've got Rory and Tiger sort of defending the honor of the PGA side of things. You've got people like Phil and Greg Norman on the, the live golf side of things. So everyone all of a sudden kind of gets out of their comfort zone as what they've known to do as a role or a job and gets elevated to this persona. So I'm watching Monaghan and I, I, I wanted to get your opinion on this because every time I hear him talk, I feel like he's, he doesn't come across very well at all. I do wonder if part of that is because he's out of his comfort zone, but every yeah. time like yesterday, <laughs> yesterday he sounded like a guy that was trying to explain someone else's ideas and, and, and plans without actually knowing what the ideas and the plans were. I think that's because that's exactly what it was. Okay. <laughs> and the, they had that they had that player meeting uh, two weeks ago at the BMW Championship, and uh, you know Tiger was there, and, and Rory and Tiger kind of led that meeting. And you know what came out of that is basically, hey, you know the, these are our ideas. Top players have have some thoughts, and, and this is maybe what we should be doing. And and I think Jay, you know, he just basically overseeing a a, a player run organization was probably like, oh, well, this sounds good maybe he didn't have enough time to, to really nail down what exactly it was going to be like moving forward, but they had a great idea and they wanted to move on. And, and I don't think that, you know, no disrespect to Jay Monahan. He's incredibly smart. He's been in the space for decades and decades and big hockey guy as well. So, uh, you know, he's, he's got some nice, uh, Northeastern United States, uh, roots as well. So, um, I don't think that he's as much of an ideas guy as maybe some of his team or, or some of these players have made him out to be. And he probably is just the face. He's the voice. He's got to go say something. Um, and, and there's been a lot of questions. He's had to battle over a lot of things over the last two and a half years. Firstly, COVID, uh, a, a global event unlike any other. And then now uh, basically an attempted hostile takeover of men's professional golf. So that dude is probably just very tired uh, tired of everything and just wants to see the best players on his tour play against each other more often. Uh, and, and, you know, whether the ideas came from him or his team or Tiger and Rory uh, kind of remains to be seen. But uh, your, your analysis of what Jay Monahan was like is, I don't think, inaccurate. Thanks. I appreciate that. Adam, you're the best, bud. Thanks a lot for doing this again, as always. Uh, enjoy the rest of the tournament. Have a good one. Thanks, fellas. Yep, take Thanks. care. That's uh, Adam Stanley, Sportsnet Golf analyst live from the cp women's open which is now underway so you got the cp women's open you got the tour championship and then you've got this it seems like there's a new wrinkle to the the tiger and rory meeting every day like yeah. there's so there a couple days ago we were talking about the stadium series for lack of a better term that they were talking about maybe moving things around to stadium I think, events no i think what they're going to do is actually build a quasi stadium Okay. It's going to be small. It's going to be in Surrey. It's going to have sixty thousand seats. <laughs> Sorry, I'm no, getting I'm getting a little confused. No parking. Here. No parking. Uh, no. If, if you if you go if Google the the virtual golf uh, renderings, there's some okay. photos of something that they've got built. Like it looks like, you know how they built stadiums for like slam ball, yeah, stuff like that. Like little. I think it's going to kind of look like that. It's a made for TV thing, right? So, uh, Tiger and Rory are the flag bearers now for the PGA tour, right? It's pretty evident to me yeah. that that's what's going on. Mm -hmm. And, um, and maybe Tiger's agent, Mark Steinberg. <laughs> yeah. You could have something to say. I think a lot of the, well. a lot of the agents are probably doing some work behind the scenes. Yeah. Well, I would imagine it's, yeah, it's that's part of their job. Yeah. Cause again, I, I, I just kind of sit back and watch those guys all have and, business people like working for them and giving them yeah. ideas, obviously. Cause I mean, McElroy, I was listening to his presser yesterday after Monaghan spoke mm -hmm. and he kind of openly acknowledged that, 
we all work here on the PGA Tour as independent contractors. Yep. Like, we work on our schedules. If we want to show up to something because it benefits our game, we will. If we want to skip something because we think it might be a detriment, we skip. And we're not really concerned about how it affects. I mean, without saying it, he came on set. Like, we don't really care about the fan experience. Yeah. But then he said something interesting. And he said, if I go to a Tampa Bay Buccaneers game, I buy a ticket assuming that I'm going to see Tom Brady yeah. throw a football. Right. And he's like, so he kind of took that responsibility, I assume on himself, because Tiger's not in that conversation anymore. He's an independent contractor that realizes the business that he's in. So if, like I said, like when he when he showed up at the, he made Maybe the there's an attitude change going on. There has on that to be. PGA there tour. has to be, right? Like yeah. you can't just be looking out for yourself mm-hmm. the entire time because there's a greater good here. Yeah. Roy, what about the Valspar Open? Well, see, that's the thing, right? <laughs> like, I, I, I mentioned the RBC Open to Adam because... Yeah, I'm a little worried about the, the Canadian Open, which always seems to get screwed, screwed in some way or another. Yeah. But, like, you, you look at what happened this year. It was huge. Yeah. It was a big, like, it was a big sports story because Rory won it, and it was went right in the middle of Liv and PGA being embroiled in this rivalry, and he's speaking out about it. Yeah. And, that was a big event. Like I remember, I think we were at the bar with Dustin, and we were having a drink in the middle of the afternoon. It was on every TV, yeah, in the bar. Like, and and, and we were watching. Like, mm-hmm. you, everyone was paying attention to it, and that kind of underscores what Rory was talking about. That, you know, star power is star power. You can't deny it. People show up to see him mm-hmm. and the other best players, right? Yeah. They don't. They don't show up to see what was the guy you were talking about, Matt Wolf. Uh, <laughs> who is now on the live tour? From I would show up to see his swing. Okay, it's a very interesting swing. But that's like the golf nerd in me. Yeah, you're right. If you if you show up to a tournament, imagine if you took your kid to a golf tournament. Like, what's the first? Like, will Tiger Woods be there? You yeah, know, like you're like no. Well, I remember when we like the GVO yeah. back when it existed. I distinctly remember like I went out of my way to see when Payne Stewart was out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and John Daly. Yep. I didn't care I about anybody. I remember seeing John Daly at Shaughnessy, too. I it was don't, like a big deal. Yeah, I, I didn't care about anybody else. Mm-hmm. There was you know, very good It's golfers cool when like, those guys walk by you, right? You're yeah. like, I've seen that guy on TV. Yeah. Well, and he's I, walking right here. So I, I, kinda, I could just walk right up to him. <laughs> yeah, and offer him. Shove him. Yeah, and ta- offer him or <laughs> ask for a cigarette. Either way, it's probably going to be a good, safe interaction. Okay, uh, a lot more to get into on the program as I try and pull up our show notes here and figure out What's coming up next? Gary Lawless. That's correct. Yes, thank you. Sorry. Uh, Gary Lawless is going to join us next from Vegas talking about the Phil Kessel acquisition. If you missed it, Phil Kessel is now a member of the Vegas Golden Knights. Signed a contract last night. Uh, We are rolling along. We'll be back on the other side with Gary Lawless here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Seven thirty-two on a Thursday. Happy Thursday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. Gary Lawless, uh, Vegas Golden Knights insider, is going to join us in just a minute here. Before we get to Gary, I need to remind you that for the second consecutive day, we are doing giveaways on the Halford and Bruff show on Sportsnet 650. If you want a multi-ticket pack, to see either the Lions on Friday or the Vancouver Canadians this weekend, 
send a what we learned in. Hashtag it WWL. What we learned. What did you learn over the last 24 hours in sports? Let us know. The text line is 650-650. If you hashtag it WWL, A-Dog and Nephew Dom are going to pick two winners at random for those that have submitted a what we learned. So get those in. Do that now. Hashtag it WWL. Uh, let's go to the phone lines now. I don't know if everyone saw it last night. It happened not too late in the evening, around 7.30 or 8 o'clock, but Phil Kessel is now a member of the Vegas Golden Knights. Joining us now to discuss that signing from the Vegas Golden Knights, insider Gary Lawless here on the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Good morning, Gary. How are you? I'm great, fellas. How are you? Uh, We're good, thanks, and thanks for taking the time to do this. Um, I don't want to say that I was caught completely off guard when this signing went down because the Paul Stastny signing in Carolina a day earlier kind of got me back into, oh, yeah, there's still free agents out there that need to find jobs. But I didn't necessarily have Kessel going to Vegas. I'm assuming as a Vegas Golden Knights insider, you might have more of an inkling. But uh, had this been in the work for a while? Was this something that just kind of percolated recently? How did it come to be that Kessel finally landed in Vegas? Uh, you know, I think that Vegas was his uh, top destination when he became an unrestricted free agent. I think he likes living in the desert. I think he wants to play for a winner, uh, have a chance to play for a winner. And uh, I also think he probably is, um, you know, those three years in Arizona, <laughs> like if you remember when he left Pittsburgh, uh, you know, he, he had two fantastic seasons there, was a tremendous playoff performer for them, should have won the Conn Smythe one year and was, uh, uh, you know, had, had a, an 82 point season there, a 92 point season there was one of the, you know, one of the top players in the world. And then he went to Arizona and was just kind of became a forgotten man. Uh, I think that, you know, the first year they made the playoffs in a, in the weird, you know, uh, COVID extra teams play down, but then the next two teams, next two years, they, you know, they made an organized organizational decision to, to be awful and uh, to try and win lottery. And, and Phil Kessel kind of, he became a forgotten man. You look at his numbers. Since he joined the league in 06, 07, he is uh, seventh in goals scored and 10th in points, like up there with, you know, the best players in the game over uh, from his generation. And you don't hear it, you know, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, all these guys are still, considered at the at their top of their game Kessel had 44 assists last year on a terrible team uh I I think he probably looked at the Vegas roster and said I can help them and I I could be a good fit there and I can uh sort of I wouldn't say resurrect his career but you know get back to being considered the you know a a hall of fame type player that he has been uh, uh throughout his career where does where does Phil Kessel fit on in this lineup? Is he a top six player or is he a third liner that gets power play time? What do what does Vegas expect of him? Yeah, that, that'll be up to Bruce Cassidy, and that'll be you know we'll see how how what the health looks like at training camp. I would say that he's a top nine guy for sure. That has uh, and he will play on the power play for sure. Uh, I think you know you, you could see him playing with Jack Eichel at times. Uh, you know, I'd love to see Mark Stone and uh, and Phil Kessel on the wings with with Jack Eichel. Kessel can still move. Uh, you know, he's not the not the burner. Not, you know, he was once one of the fastest players in the NHL. He's not that guy anymore, but he can still get up and down the ice. Uh, you know, Eichel can fly. I think that might be a, a real interesting mix. 
I'm sure Jonathan Marchessault so would love a chance to play with Phil Kessel. He's, he's such a great passer, uh, a, a, an elite playmaker. Um, and then, you know, maybe they put him with, or maybe they put him with some young guys and help him elevate their game. Lots of options for, for Bruce Cassidy. And I think one of the things that's going to be different about Bruce than we've seen uh, in the last little while is uh, he's going to be a little bit more willing to, to tinker on a regular, regular basis at, and on the fly and, and in games. I think we'll see different combinations at different times. You know, there's been so much stuff going on in Vegas this offseason that I actually forgot that Bruce Cassidy had been hired as the head coach. It's been so many things that have happened. So I'm going through this, and I'm thinking, oh, Phil Kessel signing. That's pretty notable, especially the slow days of the summer. There's a lot of people writing and talking about it. And the, the other reason that it kind of caught me off guard was I was like, well, how can Vegas afford to sign anyone? I thought they were way over the cap. Then I remember, it's like, oh, yeah, they got the Shea Weber contract now. That goes on LTIR. And, oh, yeah, Robin Lehner is going to be out. On the subject of Lehner, what does that look like in terms of playing this year? Has that been ruled out entirely? Is it sort of still wait and see? Uh, because he's obviously a key part of the team and a huge part of the goaltending department. I, I think that the, uh, the the release that the team put out at the time said they don't expect him to play this year. Right. So that would be, uh, uh, you know, they don't mess around with those <laughs> types of things. Now, you know, could his rehab go great and, him be ready at some point in time. I guess that's a possibility, but that's not uh, that's not the plan. The plan is to start the season, I think, with uh, Logan Thompson and Loren Bossois and see if Thompson can pick up where he left off, find out what, what an impact Sean Burke, who's one of the best goalie coaches in the game, can have on uh, on on that group and see where, see where they go from there. They, they have cap space now. They still have money. Kelly McCrimmon still has cap space. Right. at his disposal, and I would imagine that powder will stay dry until uh, until the team figures out what, what, it can, what it has in net and whether or not it has to address that. What do you expect out of Jack Eichel this year? I think he's going to contend for the Hart Trophy. Uh, I, 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 he's, he got back here last year, ha- had that neck surgery, and uh, started to kind of look really good. Then he broke his thumb, and... Uh, you know, I, I saw it's little things that you see. I noticed that he was at Riley Smith has this baseball game every summer where the Golden Knights play against the Raiders, and uh, Michael was was at that event with his teammates, and it just looked like one of the guys. I think that's a huge thing for him that he's going to have uh, a, he'll have he, he'll have settled in and he'll have figured everything out here and he'll this will just be about playing hockey for him and i think he's uh, a a player i i can remember when he was in buffalo when he first came up i was always amazed at how what he could do with the puck how he could explode the shot he had uh the guy is uh he's been working a ton i'm i'm really excited to see jack eichel and i think that you know who he plays with is going to be uh is going to be a real key piece of the puzzle as well every time he'd get uh settled in with a good lineup line line mate last year they'd get hurt so uh that's a big factor as well i'm always curious about taking the temperature of the fan bases in all these different markets especially after a year like vegas had where a lot of things didn't go the way they wanted it to and when you have high aspirations and you fail to meet them and fail to make the playoffs uh what's if you could gauge it the temperature of vegas golden knights fans after last year uh are they are they down still, or did they think that it was just an aberration because of the injuries? I mean, where's the excitement level around this team as it stands right now? Well, I, I guess it depends where you check, right? If you 
you go on the echo chamber uh, and uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, there's, uh, there's been a ton of negativity this summer. Sure. If you go to, if you go to Albertsons or the, or Trader Joe's or the golf course, uh, people are, are very excited. So it, it, uh, ticket renewals are, are very high. Uh, the, the building will be sold out all the time. Like it has been for, uh, for five season, five seasons. And, uh, you know, I think people really do believe in, uh, in Bill Foley and his management team. Why wouldn't they? Uh, they've been here for, they've played five seasons. They've been to the final four, three times. Uh, if, if you're going to fall off the, the bandwagon after a historic man games lost season last year, to me that uh, you need to question your hockey knowledge because uh, this is a, a, this has been a perennial contender. Uh, you look at the look at the roster. Look at center. This is the best roster uh, of skaters this team will have ever put on the ice. Right. Uh, Shea Theodore and Petrangelo, both legitimate top two guys, top top pairing guys, and now center ace now. You go, I don't know how it'll look, but Eichel, Stevenson, Carlson, Waugh, Howden, uh, you know, th- those are five really good NHL centers. Brett Howden is a guy to keep an eye on this year. Um, he, he showed really good moments last year before uh, uh, a pretty horrific injury, and uh, he's back and ready to go. So uh, uh, I, I think and, you, know, you have elite players. You have an elite winger. In Mark Stone, you have an elite center in Jack Eichel. I, I expect this team to contend for uh, for the Pacific Division and beyond. It's always interesting in Vegas, Gary. Thanks a lot for doing this today, bud. We really appreciate it. Go enjoy the rest of your summer. We'll do this again as we get closer to the regular season. Summer's over. School started to three. This is the end of the oh, third week right. of school here. Yeah, that's We're right. All right. Well, enjoy what's left of August. Then we'll call it that way. Thanks, bud. <laughs> Thanks, Gary. Take care. Goodbye. Uh, Gary Lawless from the Vegas Golden Knights here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. There are so many wild cards on this Vegas team. Yep. If you just go through the list, Jack Eichel, apparently going to be a heart candidate according to Gary Lawless, right? And I know a lot of people texted in and said, okay, this guy's being a bit of a homer. Jack Eichel has the potential to do that. Yeah. It's I, just whether or not <laughs> he's, he's actually going to put it, put it together. He, he had some injury concerns. Last season, he had the trade from Buffalo. Now he's got the fresh start mm-hmm. in Vegas, and a lot is going to be expected of him. Mark Stone, is he going to be able to stay healthy? That's been an issue for him. Phil Kessel, how's he going to fit in? Is he going to be a factor? Uh, and then, of course, there's the goaltending. Yeah. Is Logan Thompson going to be able to do it? Because like, I don't think Laurent Brassois is. like He's a backup and sometimes a questionable backup. Uh, Bruce Cassidy is head coach. How's, how's that going to change things? I actually thought that was the best thing that they did in the offseason, to be honest, was move on from DeBoer and snap up Cassidy right away. Because I, yeah. I didn't really understand why Cassidy... The, the, the Bruins players liked that move, too. Yeah, I guess that was... It was how's it, he going to mesh with the veterans? How's he going to mesh with that team? Yeah, I mean, I, I think a really interesting thing that Gary said was... And, and I, I wouldn't argue with him. They ha- Say what you will about the wild cards and the holes in the roster... Uh, they have elite level talent at a lot of different spots, right? At say what you will about Jack Eichel, but talent wise, yeah, he's, he's elite. There. Say what you will about Mark Stone's back and lack of health surrounding it, but Mark Stone's an elite winger. Mm-hmm. There are very few Mark Stones in the NHL. On defense, there are very few blue lines that are going to have a better one-two punch in terms of their top two defensemen than Shea Theodore and um, Alex Petrangelo. Yeah. 
So here's I'm you almost the wild card thing is a more apropos discussion because the boom and bust potential is super high. If these guys click and everything goes, you're yeah. talking about a team that ticks a lot of boxes, right? Mm-hmm. You always talk about what do you need? You need elite, high end, center, blue liner, and then goalie. Now they don't have the goalie thing sorted out. In fact, yeah. they they completely botched the goalie situation. Choosing Laner over Mark Andre Fleury is going to go down as one of the all time gaffes mm-hmm. in terms of management. It's unfortunate, but they also made a gamble on a guy in Robin Laner who. If you just look at his physical composition, you kind of had a feeling that he might have injury problems. He's a huge guy. Yeah, he's a big guy. Playing a position that is very taxing. Hey, big guy, be an acrobat. You know? And I I wonder sometimes if they should have looked at that a little closer before hitching their wagon to him. But that's revisionist history. Looking forward, um, they are maybe the ultimate wild card in that division. Yeah. Because they didn't make the playoffs last year. Calgary is going to be fascinating because we don't know what to expect, but I would be shocked if Calgary had a huge drop-off. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if Vegas imploded again because Vegas imploded last year. Well, mostly because of the goaltending, but also because of, like, for what reason? Because of the goaltending? For the, for goaltending the actual one, players or just, like, Goaltending one, health the two. The vibe per 60? Okay, well, goaltending one, health two. Yeah. They have guys that are now injury-prone. Yeah. And three is what you talked about, the vibes. Mm-hmm. I don't know how much of a room you can have when the parts inside of it are constantly changing. It's so hard to power rank the Pacific Division, isn't it? Well, yeah. Like you can make a case for, uh, well, Gary just made a case for Vegas. You can make a case for Calgary to win the division, Edmonton to win you know, the division. Edmonton, the team that went to the Western Conference Finals yeah. last year? Yeah, yeah, you could probably make a case for them. Uh, and then a, a lot of people look at the Canucks and they see a really good forward group, a really good goalie, uh, and a a defense that that's the probably the wild card for the Canucks. Well, actually, I don't know if it is the wild card. Like Pedersen to me. Wild, is see, like, wild what card is Pedersen is, going to look like? Wild card is you don't know what you're going to get. It's wild. That's yeah. the thing. You're either Maybe gonna, we know what we're going to get. From uh, yeah, I wouldn't really classify it. I would say it's the, the biggest weakness on the team, it, it, and it can be glaring at times. And let's, can, the, can the coaching staff devise something to uh, alleviate that weakness or hide that weakness or just make the most of what they've got back there. That is the task mm-hmm. that Bruce Boudreaux was given in the offseason by management, right? Just find ways to move the puck. Yep. And I, and aside from punt and hunt, which, you know, was a staple yeah. of, of high last off year. the glass. Yeah. And the other thing too, and again, you want, we don't talk about it enough because it's too unpredictable, but health and injuries. Like last year, for mm-hmm. the most part, the Canucks got it was pretty good for that blue line. There were the the big guys. It's pretty and, good all around. Yeah, I mean, Pullman was lost for a considerable yeah. amount of time, but outside of that, you mm-hmm. didn't have any sort of catastrophic. We can't afford to lose this guy. Certainly type not injuries. to the extent Vegas had. No, it was crazy. What's Vegas and and what happened through. in Vegas? Yeah. It sabotaged their season. Like it just yeah. completely derailed their season. I mean, that's a big thing. I wouldn't sleep on Vegas. I, I, I really wouldn't. No, but they, 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 they to me are the biggest wild card team in the division. Everyone else, I can kind of see where they might slot in. But Vegas, it's I just. I kind of want to call Calgary a quasi wild card just because we don't know how that team's going to gel. Yeah, but they're too good to bottom out. Unless, you know what I mean? 
No, bottom out isn't. But but mid, Vegas could. But, but they don't have a goalie. <laughs> like that's a big problem. Yeah. Like what happens if Logan Thompson looks like an AHL goalie? Well, they they'll probably just address it in a trade then. But how? Like who's going to be like, oh please, let's give this team with unlimited potential a goalie to kind of solidify yeah. things? Like no one wants to do that. That's true. Yeah. You know, and it's not like they got a ton of assets to trade. They've already traded away all their assets. They're all playing in other markets, so their mm-hmm. draft picks are gone now. So they they to me are going to be. Is Mike Smith still out there? Mike Smith, you could coax him out of retirement if you want. Did he re- he retired? Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I I don't. Yeah, you know what? That's a good question. I don't know if you can come out of retirement with your cap hit still kind of hanging in limbo there in Edmonton, right? Yeah, I don't think it's gonna happen anyway. No, but you know it is the desert and it's nice and warm. It's better for your bones. So maybe that could be something. I'm not too sure. Anyway, what it is? That's why old people go to warm climates. It's better for their bones, right? You're old. Uh, tell, tell me I what old people I, do. I, I don't. I'm like two years <laughs> older than you. And I'm in better shape than you, so probably f- physically you're older than me. Uh, 8 o'clock, Ryan Gold is going to join us from uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps. We were talking, excuse me. You okay? Yeah. Talking earlier in the show about Doug McCallum, the mayor of Surrey, who apparently wants to build a 60,000-seat <laughs> stadium. Mm-hmm. So I said earlier in the show, this feels like a political stunt. And what do you know? Uh, there's an election coming up in Surrey and there's some controversy around Doug McCallum and maybe he's like, Hey, look over here. Not there. Not there. Don't look there. Don't look in the parking lot. Don't look at my foot. Look over here at this, uh, field where maybe we could build this 60,000 seat stadium. Uh, most of the responses into the Dunbar lumber text line have been, you know, yeah, this feels like a pipe dream for Doug McCallum. Uh, Let me ask something, and this might show my political naivete or lack of understanding, but is he, is this even within the scope of mayoral duties? Like, can you really promise this as the mayor of Surrey? Like, <laughs> I feel like your job essentially caps out at ribbon cutting ceremonies and the occasional groundbreaking, which by the way, that's what he was at yesterday. He was at a groundbreaking ceremony for a new rink, a new community rink. Yeah, but he had a big, big. And role. he's like, he he's like, you think this community that. rink is something? Wait till you see what I got up my sleeve. Like, I feel like, uh, in a way, everyone kind of knows that this is a, a just a, one of those political promises that it, it sounds nice and it sounds big. And hey, never, never dare to dream, right? Like always mm-hmm. go out there and try and think big. But this seems like it's out of the scope for a lot of logical well, it has to start somewhere right well yeah okay i get that right like it's one man had an idea yeah and then all of a sudden but he but he did admit that he would have to go to the feds and or probably have to go to the feds in the province for funding but imagine going and, but, to the province i know for funding i know hey can we build a stadium to compete with bc place which you own like, i mean i don't get uh, it. I, I no. don't get it i don't get it yeah. I understand what he's trying to do, and I understand there's an election coming up. But, I mean, it does give you a couple legitimate pivot points in terms of conversation. Mm-hmm. One is uh, the Lower Mainland and the Fraser Valley could absolutely use another, like, infrastructure like this. Like, And I don't know what a that stadium. looks like. Stadium or, I mean, I, I don't suppose you need another arena, but a, a stadium, right? Mm-hmm. Where you can... An outdoor stadium would yeah. be... I mean, we've dreamed about this. Um, you know, a 30,000-seat outdoor stadium with a grass field, who doesn't want that if you're a sports fan in the lower mainland? For the Whitecaps to play at, mm-hmm. for the Lions to play at, um, I I just don't see where it's going to go, who's going to pay for it. Um, would the Whitecaps and the Lions even want to share a stadium? 
I know the Argos and TFC share BMO, but I don't think that's an ideal marriage. Mm-hmm. I don't think TFC's particularly thrilled about a bunch of 300 pound football players playing on their grass field. Yeah. I don't think that's what they love. And I know a lot of TFC fans, when the Argos moved in there, were like, don't please, don't, please don't ruin our nice field with your football in the winter. Yeah. Oh, on the subject of TFC, by the way, I got a, a good buddy of mine, uh, went back. He, I he think he was on a business trip, but he, he met up with a few buddies and they went to a TFC match. And he said he was shocked at, how significantly different the atmosphere was and the, the vibe around a game where it was an outdoor stadium in nice weather and you didn't feel like there were six people in attendance. When we went to that Canadian championship at BC Place, the atmosphere was good in that the lower bowl was mostly full. Yep. The fans were really excited. Vanny Sartini took his shirt off. He sure did. The Whitecaps won. It was... You did I, that. I like he, you said it in that order. He actually did it. Yeah. <laughs> the level of importance. Yeah. yeah. First no, no, of no, all, no, 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 no. Sartini he, he t- took his shirt off. He took his shirt off. Oh, yeah. And the and then the Whitecaps yeah. won. Yeah. It's like it led to their victory. <laughs> I don't know. And I, between me and you, I don't care. Was, he, if this were, doesn't inspire you to win, I don't know what does. Yeah. Coach has got his shirt off. Let's go, guys. Uh, <laughs> There's a crippled boy focus. in the stadium <laughs> to inspire you. But, but, okay. and the roof was open. That day at, at BC Place, for the record. I know they'd had some roof, roof problems, yep. but uh, they got the roof open. was open. It was so damn hot in there. It was so uncomfortable. Everyone had like uh, a sweaty film yep. on their face. It looked like, I, I don't know, you were coming out of like a, a sweaty nightclub. Mm-hmm. That's pretty close. It, that, that's, you know, you could. There's 50% off drinks, let, so you had the boozy factor let like me, a nightclub. Let me tell you the smells. The smells were, it, you smelled that. I still remember the smell of that game. You could probably see wasn't those a great. Smells. Yeah, yeah, you there could were stink see lines everywhere. Yeah, you could you could see you the, could see the, the smell. Smelly you haze. Could taste the air. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, you could taste the air. You could taste it. Yeah. What about an MLB style or MLB quality stadium in Surrey, and then the LA Angels could come up here and we have a baseball team. That's that was my. How about that? That was my bit last night on our text thread. I'm like, he should just talk to Artie Moreno. There's and be a like, team hey, that wants t- to move. Let me tell you, Mr. Moreno, I got something for you here in Surrey. I don't. Uh, now, could Vancouver support an MLB team? I don't know, but I'm just saying, you know. No, we've had that conversation yeah, a million I don't times. Know about, I don't, know about that. don't you think it would be kind of fun to be a, a, a politician sometimes when you could just like go up there and be like, I'm going to build this. And then Say everyone's talking about it the next day. It's like, I haven't even really thought about this. But 30, just... people, 30 people working behind you, your entire staff, just like, oh my God, we're <laughs> <laughs> we have to figure this out now. I bet those idiots on sports radio are going to eat this up. And they did. Okay, 8 o'clock hour. We're going to do some What We Learns. A reminder, it's contest day again. If you want tickets to go see the Lions or tickets to go see the Vancouver Canadians, submit a what we learned, hashtag it WWL. Text into the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. Coming up at 8 o'clock, Ryan Gold, the diminutive Scotsman for the Vancouver Whitecaps, who's playing terrific this season. We'll talk to him coming up next. And then at 8.30, we will do what we learned. That's the final hour of the show. Don't miss it. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650.